everyone. Welcome to the, another episode of the Sex Lies and Lawyers. We have today the dear friend AJ Benza, the yes. host of the podcast The Fame is a Bitch. Yes, so I guess I'm the <laughs> sex and lies today, right? And you're the yes. lawyer. And you okay. are the bitch, not the bitch, sorry. You are the famous is a bitch podcast. Yes. Fame is a bitch. <laughs> Fame is a bitch is the podcast. If, I, I, I came up with that title because, um, well, I'll skip to the, to the story. Um, I used to have a TV show on E, the E channel, when I first came out to LA in 97. E and exclamation. Yes, yes right. That's a e logo. E Entertainment Network, before yeah. the Kardashians came around. And I was... Uh, doing a show called Mysteries and Scandals where I walked around Hollywood at night, fancy suits on, and I told the stories of all these famous actors and actresses who died tragically, suicides, murders. And um, they wanted to come up with a saying. And I thought fame ain't a bitch is perfect for the people who went through scandals and all sorts of mysterious circumstances. So we kept fame ain't it a bitch, ain't it a bitch. And that commercial was on so much that everybody would used that when they saw me on airplanes, in elevators. In 97, 98, 99, 2000, E had me on about 10 times a day. It was just a different network. So people got very used to me saying, fame ain't a bitch. Mm -hmm. That was the tagline. So you started your podcast as well. When did you start it? I started about five and a half years ago, 2017. There was a lot going on in Hollywood with the Me Too movement. And I knew a lot of those guys having worked in Hollywood and a lot of the guys in New York. I was originally a, a sports writer, then I became a gossip columnist, and that's when I kind of blew up. And when I came out to LA, it was for that job at the E Channel. But um, 2017, I know Donald Trump. He was a friend of mine. He's running for office. Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein was a friend oh, of mine as well. You are the person that. Uh was offered some money to just yeah. uh, investigate on the yes. claimants. I against I, yeah, I didn't do anything. I didn't do it because he told me, don't hold back, wait a minute. Nothing, he knew nothing. He'll, all he said to me was, I was coaching my son's football game. And he said to me, can you meet me at the uh, Four Seasons Hotel now? And I said, in an hour. I met him. Now, I could go back with Harvey till I met 1993, 92, when Miramax had like 10 employees. Mm -hmm. We always talked, gave me a book deal, gave me a movie deal. So he said, look, uh, someone's doing a hit piece on me. I said, who? He said, I, I don't know yet. I don't know where it's going to be printed, but they're snooping around and getting people to talk about me. And I thought it was going to be the typical, you're a bully, you're a rich, loud, Jewish, powerful guy in New York that you think you're the mayor. Those are the kind of things that people said about Harvey. Never did I think it would be about rape. So I said, I'll help you. Let me know who I got to call. You well, didn't know the contents were anything. Not at all. That's he the didn't reason he offered your help. He said, it's a hit piece on me. So I said, okay. He said, he offered me a, a bunch of money per month. And I said, that sounds great. I'll let you know. So he called me the next day and said, hold tight. I'm investigating something of my own. Week goes by. I said, hey, how's everything going? You need me? No, don't worry about it. Then I start to hear little things in the press that, about Harvey, uh, an actress says she was raped, and I know I know she meant Harvey. That was Rose McGowan, and I'm putting two and two together, and I'm going, "Holy crap!" It's this good is that a rape you didn't story? step into it's a rapist story. I'm I not got going a to wife, touch that. I got a, a daughter, I got sisters. I would never touch that, but I did help him in the past. What kind of things you helped? Well, I'd like to or say, or you used to help? Sometimes, well, yeah. I mean, I'm not a gossip columnist anymore. I had a lot of power in New York, and I like to say that. I was kind of like the Ray Donovan of gossip columns. 
<laughs> because I really could get things fixed for people if I needed if they needed me. Harvey, I bought him painting for him. I got somebody to paint a picture of the Hollywood Hills that said Harvey uh -huh. Wood to thank him for giving me a book deal. I went to go pay for the painting, and the girl says, who's this for? I said, my friend Harvey Weinstein. She said, oh, my girlfriend is dating him. She's in England, and I know Harvey's married in New York or Connecticut. So I called him right away. I said, why does some nobody in a, in a store say you're dating an English girl? That's not true. Ten minutes later, he goes, okay, it's true. What do we do? I said, well... You gotta sit down and talk about this because you know I can help you. I can help and stand. It was not a rape. It wasn't just no, that was, an affair. <clears throat> he actually ended up marrying her. That was his second wife. <laughs> he divorced his wife first, then married her. But um, what I did for him back then was I still knew all my connections to gossip, and I said I will call your PR people every week and I'll give them great stories that I break. So if anybody calls them to talk about you and this hookup. You could trade. You can barter with them. That's how gossip columns work. It's quid pro quo. He said, great. And I broke a lot of stories, and I gave them all these stories. I'm not sure if they used any, but that story of Harvey cheating on his wife never came out. And for, for 10 months, he paid me, and uh, it was fine. And he said, we're, at, we're, we're out of the woods. We're clear. We're good. Thank you for everything. How it didn't come out? Because it, the news didn't have interest, or you did something, or how it no, works? No, I, I think the way it would work was the stories I supplied to his PR people, let's say you're, you're a gossip columnist and you call Miramax to get a story about Harvey out. You can say, hey, I heard he's having an affair in What's London. your comments are on it? Yeah, well the PR person will say, you can't print that. I'll give you something great, don't print that. What do you got? Roger Clemens is on steroids, that was my story. Now, I don't know whether she gave that to You them. mean that you exchange with something more juicier? Yeah, yeah. Much more juicy? The, that's the way it works, a lot of the time it's one hand washes the other. And you can pay people back by doing that. And if... Is, is it illegal? No. No, I broke a story and I gave it to someone else to tell. I mean, I didn't do anything illegal. It's just my, my ear was always to the ground. I knew when so-and-so was having an affair. It's not a fake news, actually. It's something no, that's news, but it's, it's become real. publicized. It was real news. And it's more effect on the other news that is coming out. They, forfeit. Yeah. they don't do that other one. Right, because you have to remember, Harvey Weinstein was a very powerful person in New York. Some people say as powerful as Rudy Giuliani at one point. I mean, everybody wanted Harvey on their side. His name is mentioned more than God at the Oscars for many years. Everybody would thank Harvey Weinstein. So his head blew up like this. I never knew that he was involved with these kind of situations with women. I knew the guy got laid. Everybody who was in that position to make movie stars gets laid. I mean, mm -hmm. Howard Hughes, everybody you think of, that's part of the job. Casting couches were very real. I never imagined he was pushing in doors or, you know, having come out of his bathroom with a robe on and naked while somebody's expecting an interview. Just crazy shit. He promised me it was all consensual. He said to me, I talked to him last when he was at the sex rehab place because he saw that I talked to the New York Times. They called me. I said, I have to talk hard because they're getting things wrong about me and I got a wife and a family and I can't have that bullshit printed. So I corrected the shit. When was it? That was 2017. Before the breakout of the news? No, no, no. It was, or it, was after? It, was, it was after. He, was out, he went to a sex addiction place. So stories were coming out. So he went there right away. And I even asked him one time. I said, listen, because he wrote me a one-word text, help. And this is when I found out that, that uh, what's his name, the kid, Mia Farrow's son, Ronan Farrow, was the one writing the story. I said, Harvey, you can't get dirt on Ronan Farrow. He's an elite, rich kid, 
Hollywood baby, liberal, dating Obama's former speechwriter, who's black. This, he's like, you can't touch him. He's going to write the story. So he just said, help me. And I said, uh, I'm going to say something to you now. Don't get offended. I said, were you ever molested as a kid? I said, you know, it takes a monster to make a monster. He said, no, no. And then he said, yes, I was, but I, don't want, I can't talk about it. It hurts me too much. When I, get out of, when I get out of this place, I'll write about it. You'll help me write it. I knew that wasn't true. But I said, I was always offering him an excuse. Like, if you say you're molested, I bet you get some sympathy from people. No one has sympathy for him at all. But I thought that was an avenue he should at least explore. And I think since I said that to him, I think he's mentioned it once before, because it's out there in the ether. But um, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But that's the only help I could even give him. Try this, and maybe you'll get a pass from some people because it takes a monster to make a monster. Because what was coming out of it was horrible. I mean, they described everything about his... his Did he use that? Well, he didn't use it. He didn't get, it wasn't printed anywhere. But I, I just said, try, try this. Use, do something. You're, you're a sitting duck. They're going to get you. And Ronan Farrell is untouchable when it comes to writing. Uh, not a but his charges thing. were not molestation or the underage, was it? No, 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 no underage. Just, no, just, uh, it was a rape. Rape, yeah, which is horrible. Unconsensual. There are some women that I tend to believe were consensual. And look, if there was one woman and it wasn't consensual, he needs to be in prison. But knowing that business, business I know that there people. are women who go to those hotel rooms specifically to screw the boss and get the job. And um, some of them stories just didn't make sense to me. How does a girl like, uh, I forget her name for a second, but uh, the Italian actress, Asia Argento, Asia Argento, she was with him for a while. Then she says he raped her. Then a few years later, they're walking hand in hand into the Cannes Film Festival in France. He, she met his mother, and I'm going, how is this, a rape, rape victims do this? They date the guy again? They meet his parents? That doesn't sound right to me. I think she's one of the ones that was consensual, but she feels foolish now that she got caught at it. Um, She's since kind of disappeared from the scene. She used to be in movies here and there, but I don't remember. The allegation was not abusive or something. It was only a rape, unconsensual. Yeah, unconsensual. Yes. And also, he was not violent. No, no, I don't think he was violent. But you know, he he blocked the door. He blocked the door so he could leave. Yeah, they can't leave him violent. I know one of the actresses, Annabella Sciorra, is a friend of mine, and she told me her story. She really made me start to believe that. This happened a lot. The way she told me the story that Harvey just came to her house and pushed her door in. No, that's violent. That's, that's crazy. That's a break-in, right. too. That's crazy. So uh, she helped me see the light. I didn't believe all the stories. But like I said, if it was one girl, he needs to be in prison. And I've always made that my, my statement. But uh, I'm the guy that they like to bring up that I helped him. I helped him. I helped him about his affair, not about his rape stuff. Mm-hmm. The, affair, the affair stuff was 2003, 2003 or 2004. It was a long time ago. And that story... How it affected your reputation when it came out, actually, that you were helping him before? It was strange because... Um, you felt bad as well. Or you yeah. Felt that is going to be a false light on you as well, that you were just helping with the knowledge that he was a rapist. Well, yeah, but I never knew that. I mean, yeah. you could. a lot of people will tell you, how could you not know? I didn't know. And I was the top gossip columnist in New York. One of the tops, put it that way. So, um, I don't know what to tell you. Harvey was very good at, um, he was very good to journalists. 
He played the game very smartly with book deals and movie deals and optioning stuff. Buying everyone oh, out. Oh, man. I mean, really. I mean, people got paid. I mean, it was nothing for me to get 10 grand from him for, you know, a 20 grand for, I'm going to option your book to be a movie. I'm going to, Johnny Depp's going to be in your movie. We had dinner with Johnny Depp. He read the book. He loved the book. But he said no in the end. Then we went to uh, Jeremy Piven to do a TV show about my, my life. My book was called Fame, Ain't It a Bitch. Piven loved it. But then the Entourage script landed on his desk, and he took that, and he was great in Entourage. So the timing was bad. But Harvey was like that. He would throw money around like 20 grand, option to move, let's go. You know, just throwing numbers at you that are like, Jesus, okay, let's go, let's do this. And uh, I could always get up on the phone. I could get up at home. And I hate, I hate saying this, but he was very good to me. And people always ask me, oh, come on, how could you? Listen, I know killers. I'm friends with killers. So I'm not enthusiastic about him raping chicks, but I've been around bad guys. Mafiosa, criminals, gangsters in L.A. I I've been with those guys. I know what they do. So Harvey never scared me. But, hey, man, rape is rape. That's horrible. And I think he needs to be in there. And I have no qualms about saying that. But early on, I wanted all the facts to come in. Because people nowadays, and the media is the worst at this, want to be first. They don't really care about being accurate. They want the story in the paper first. First, and it's drilled into you your brain. First, yeah, it's drilled into you. We got to beat the, the we got to beat the post. We got to beat the post. You got to beat, and you start to carry this and burden. With the soundbite of the thirty seconds or fifteen seconds. That's if it leads, bleeds, all that stuff. Yeah. So you learn how to get the story out quickly. But I had editors in New York who were old, old souls who said, "No, I don't care if it goes out tomorrow, but we got to get this right. Get it right. Make another call. Get another source. Get two or three sources, not just one." And after a while, you know your sources are, are, are very good to you and they don't, they don't lie to you. So once in a while, you'll take one source's information and not worry about other people confirming it because those sources were very good to me over the years. We had great... I mean, I broke the Michael Jackson pedophilia story with the, the first kid that he was spotted with. Um, uh, when, the kid uh, Jordan. Kid Jordan. It was... Um, it you was broke it out? My page. Me, Linda Stacy, and Michael Lewinis. We all worked together. It was her page, and then she retired, and I took the page over. And who was the source? Well, she, well, no, the, 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 well, I'll tell you the source. People don't believe this. Latoya Jackson, his sister, was one of the biggest mouth sources I had. Latoya would tell me everything. She was nervous about Michael. She said her mother warned her about Michael. He likes little kids. She said, you're the only guy with the guts to print this. We're frightened for Michael. So I started to do some work, and I quickly found myself dating his brother's ex-wife, Jermaine Jackson's ex-wife. Mm -hmm. And being so close to her and her kids were Michael's nephews, I learned a lot more about Michael. I even talked to him on the phone once. He didn't know it was me, though. It would have, he, would have, he would have dropped his sister-in-law in a minute. She could not be friends with me, not in my position. She even called me once and said, I can't, we can't be seen. If Michael finds out I'm dating you, he'll cut off my kids because he paid for everybody. Michael paid everybody's school, everybody's insurance. He was the bank. She couldn't afford to lose that, so we parted. But the story came to me. We had an old Jewish uh, publicist named Bernie Bennett, very dapper, dressed gentleman. He was a PR guy for a long time. And he would call me and say, AJ, would a story about Michael Jackson interest you? I said, sure. How about a story about him with a little kid? I said, yeah, but let's meet, meet somewhere now. Don't tell this to anybody else, because I knew. Holy shit. You already knew about well, it. Well, I mean, I, I, didn't like, I didn't like the way some things Michael was, was acting, some ways he was acting, but I never thought it would get this deep. 
This kid, Jordy Chandler, went to Euro Disney with him. He slept in his bed while his parents slept down the hall in another room. Just freaky shit. And um, Bernie told me the story because this is how gossip sometimes works. The wires are so crazy. His wife was friends with the woman who was married to Jordan Chandler's father. And she would tell Bernie's wife some rumors and then Bernie's wife would tell him and he said, that's a big story. Let me call AJ. That's how we got it. No one did any big police work. It just fell in our lap. And then everybody was writing about it. Everybody. We put the kid's name in the paper, Jordan Chandler. No one did that. We didn't know any better. Once we found out exactly how far it was going, you know, and I love Michael Jackson. I wanted him. I, I did the moonwalk in my kitchen in my socks. I know I loved him. I still love his music. But that story was gigantic. For anybody to have that was gigantic. That put us, uh, that put me on the map. I have him to thank for that because that story was never ending. It's still a story now. When I go on my podcast and I tell Michael Jackson's story, the amount of hate mail I get, emails in my bin, people are uh, insanely, they love him. It's like making fun of the Pope or, uh, you know, I, I've never seen anything like it. It was a legend. Yes, right. and, and the music. deservedly so. Um, but I was friends with a lot of people who knew stuff. I was friends with Prince. And he knew a lot of stuff about Michael. And you start hanging around with these people, you learn things. I was the guy that, like I said, I was married. I was a sports writer. And I went out one night. I had some money. I just got divorced. I went to the city. It was Vogue magazine's 100th birthday party at some museum. I tried to get in. I couldn't get in. I was nobody. Mm -hmm. I got told no. Just then, I see Mickey Rourke, the actor, is being mm -hmm. let outside too. And he just looked at me. I never met him. He said, what happened to you? I said, I can't get in. What about you? They think I'm going to fight my ex-wife, my ex-girlfriend. He goes, come with me. We're going to go to a club. In two hours, this whole party's going to be there. I get Mickey, Mickey Rook's town car. His buddy Kevin is driving it. We're going downtown in New York. We go to this little nightclub called Rex. And he's right. All the models, all the supermodels are there. Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell. Beautiful room. And I saw some things in that room I wasn't supposed to see. Girls making out with girls, like famous girls, crazy shit, drug use, right out in the open. So I called Linda Stacy, who at that point was working for New York Newsday, the, the city version of our Long Island paper. She was the gossip columnist. I said, I got some stories for you. She loved it. She said, why don't you go out every few nights? I'll give you 50 bucks an item, bring me stories. I said, great. I was divorced. I loved the city. Then one day... The publisher of the New York Daily News, Mort Zuckerman, he bought the news and he wanted to take, you know, these publishers, these rich men love to take the best of everybody. They, they love to, like, it's like a baseball team. He wanted Linda. He loved her style. She, was, she is great. And uh, she said, if I go to Mort, I'm going to take you with me. I said, oh, my God, that's great. She said, how much money do you want to make? I said, I don't know. I, I had no idea. I was down to, like, my last $1,300. I said, 70000 said, Oh, that's, don't worry about it. That's fine. I should have went higher. And I got the gig, and we just took off. The column took off. And I met so many people because I was the gossip columnist. See, most gossip columnists back in the day, there were only like 15 of us. Now there are thousands of gossip people. In New York, most gossip columnists are women or gay men. Very few straight guys do this job. And I had a look What's about the reason? me. I don't know. I don't know why. Even if they're, <clears throat> even if they're straight, they have a way about them that's a little 
Faye. I can't explain it, but they're not like, they're not street fighters. I'm a kid from Brooklyn, you know, grew up on Long Island, but I have that street mentality, so to speak. And I got to hang around with these celebrities. I stayed out the latest. I didn't go home at 1.30. I went home at 5.30. I was always with them. And you find out a lot of shit when you're in a room with them at that hour. You see things. I said before that you see with your ears and you hear with your eyes because it's right there in front of you. And you go, I could write this story, but I want to be cool to these people. I want to be invited back here. So I'm not going to write that. Then they get to know that AJ's cool. He didn't write that story about so-and-so doing heroin. We can trust him. And then little by little, you get more power. And now suddenly, I'm the guy that's going to write the big story. You can't stop me. But in the beginning, I got let in because I looked different than the other gossip columnists. I wore crazy. Yeah, I still have bracelets. I used to have 18 bracelets, diamond, uh, uh, earrings in my ears, you know, just crazy clothes, wooden clogs. I was a sight to see. Very different than a guy with a pad and pencil asking questions. I was a guy who was just going to go out and have a good, good fucking time. And I did. Let me ask you, have you ever been sued for the defamation mm -hmm. or anything during the time that you were writing gossip? No, not once. As a column. Not good. Um, no. Have you seen that? I, um, I've not been sued ever. I got threatened a couple of times. Once by Robert Downey Jr. when he was on parole or probation for his drug antics. I was at the Oscars, I think, in 96. And I saw him at a party. I saw him at the Mondrian Hotel, the Sky Bar. And he was drunk off his ass. Really, black nail polish. He was in a very different phase back then. He wasn't Iron Man yet. And I love him, but I saw him. I wrote that story. I was right two feet away from him. Well, all his attorneys came at me. We're going to sue you. Da -da -da -da. You lied, slander, all this bullshit. My paper thought I messed up. Other gossip comments thought I messed up. I didn't. When I moved to L.A. What was the reason? How did you protect it yourself? Well, I, 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 you, you know, if, if you tell your publisher the truth, I, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I was next to Robert Downey Jr. The defense to the Daddy defamation is the truth. No, I, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I could have shaken his head. I was right there. The problem is Robert Downey Jr. was not allowed to leave the state of Georgia because he was making a movie there. And the fact that he did for two nights to come to the Oscar parties and go That's back. That's a violation yes, of the parole. Yeah, so that got him in a lot of trouble. When I moved to L.A. in 97, I had a manager who at one point worked with Robert Downey Jr. And he knew the story. And he said, you were right about that. He was there. He came out for two nights to party. I said, I know, I know. I saw him. I was right next to him. So that didn't go anywhere. Most recently, I broke the story about Jamie Foxx and this medical event. I had somebody in the room who had When met, was it? Uh, Mid-May. Mid Mid-May of this in year? In Chicago, yeah. Chicago. No one knew what was wrong with Jamie. We still don't. There's, no, there's never information. He doesn't put himself on his iPhone to show everybody he's okay. There's been these bullshit clips that are edited together to him saying, hey, man, a lot of love. What's your... Thank you for all the blessings. It's not true. When, he, when, when the guy I knew was in the room, he told me that Jamie was partially blind and partially paralyzed, like a stroke event, and it wasn't going away. They, I, everybody took the story. At Fox News, Candace Owens, I was everywhere. And then it became, did he break this story? Because I said he took the vaccination, didn't agree with him. He didn't want the vax, but he got the vax. Now, I'm one of those people who, I've got the vax I got one shot, Johnson & Johnson, which is now off the market. Thanks very much, guys. <laughs> the fuck did you put in me? We'll never find out. 75 years, we'll find out. But 
I am different. My body, I don't, I don't heal the same way. I'm different. I have this. My voice is lost every few weeks. I get, I get. I've got pneumonia two times in my life. I've never smoked. Did you get uh, COVID during that time? Yeah, I got. I've got COVID four times. Four. Even and after three the times, Johnson three Johnson. times after the the booster and the vaccination. Three times after. First time was the worst one. It came at me yeah. hard. I almost died. I got it too. Eight days one, in ICU. One month. Ter- terrible. And uh, it turned into pneumonia. So I'm in that ace, ICU. Really? Oh, it's, it's scary, man. Before the vaccine. They even told me if you had come here like seven, eight months earlier, this would have been curtains. This is they, Nothing was working. And finally the medicines kicked in. And I was okay. Remdesivir and the steroids and all the other shit they put in me. But pneumonia is no joke. And I didn't want to go through that again. And five years ago I had surgery because there was bacterial pneumonia in my left lung, which no one knows what, how that even happens. I don't smoke, like I said. Got surgery, took out my lung, scraped it off, put it back in. Crazy operation. 30 days in the hospital. So I said, I'm not getting pneumonia again. So I'll get the fucking shot. I, I regret it. But I, I don't think I would have gotten COVID more. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I got it three more times without the, with the, with the booster. And Jamie Foxx. So I think Jamie Foxx had a medical event because of that vax. I think we're seeing it. Not, this is not, I can't say that I have proof. I, I, have, I have proof that he's, the person in the room saw him partially blind and partially paralyzed, but I can't officially say it was from the vax. Mm-hmm. But I'm seeing too much of people not healing and having these medical events more than we've ever seen. Athletes, prime of their life, falling down on, on the pitch Aneurysm. in a football field. What the hell's going on? I, I even, to be really personal, my girlfriend um, got pregnant. And um, she miscarried. But her gynecologist said to her, um, let me ask you a question. Did, did your boyfriend, is he, did he get the vaccination? She goes, yeah. She didn't. She said, I'm seeing a rise in the, in the 100% of miscarriages if the man had the, had, had the vaccine. You, you know, I, these are things that doctors said that everybody said, you can't be on YouTube, take them off the air. Remember all those doctors trying to say, you're doing this shit wrong. You're putting people on ventilators too early. They're going to die from this. No, no, no. They would take people off YouTube. Experts, doctors who had 30 years in the field. Don't listen to them. They screwed us. So nothing you can do now. All right, I don't, I don't heal as well as I used to heal. Something's different with my immune system, without a doubt. This fucking throat thing, you know? I used to blame Vegas because I come out from L.A. People get <laughs> so Vegas dry. throat. Yeah. It's the hot, hottest it day, hot I hell, saw. It's 116 now. I can't believe it. And wasn't there a hailstorm? The yeah. Night? Jesus, this place is haunted. <laughs> um, but anyhow, um, so the Jamie Foxx people got, got upset. And a lot of people call me a liar, including his daughter. I don't care about that. But my point was, look, if daddy's fine, don't tell us he played pickleball two weeks ago. It's bullshit. Just take your cell phone and have him look at the camera or do it himself. Hey, it's Jamie, man. Thanks for all the love. You guys are great. I'll be out of here in no time. He never did that. Now, I saw him last week on a boat in Chicago, in a river. Then he was playing top golf in, in Chicago. I was in Chicago as well, which is weird. I was down, down the highway from him. So he's better. Thank God. But this mystery is ridiculous, and I don't think it, it, this whole thing was handled poorly by his people. They're afraid to say what really went on. They don't want us to know what he had. So possibly is that so they got something else. They, they, we don't a lawyer know. called a lawyer called my producer uh, from the LA district attorney, and nothing came of it. But the phone call was placed, and I don't know how my producer got out of it, but, but it's, it's all good. 
Are you working on any gossips right now? Always, <laughs> always. I got something on you. No, I don't. What no, you're no. expecting next month? No, I, you know, I, I, you know, what I do more than gossip. I, I've been doing this so long as a journalist that I can look at a story and see how it's presented and know who's full of shit because I know the person, their publicist. I know how it works. I know. I, I got to see the sausage being made for years. So when Jesse Spillett did that stupid prank, right? I was on the Adam Carolla podcast, and that story just broke. And I said, it's bullshit. There's nothing true about that. And Adam said, how could you say that? I said, I, I go to Chicago all the time, five times a year. No one's going to get a sandwich when it's two degrees out at two o'clock in the morning. You don't walk to someone. <laughs> there's, no, there's no Republicans with a, with a rope trying to hang black people with bleach in their bottle. It's bullshit. The guy wants more press. He wants more money from his show. He wants sympathy. I'm right. I know I'm right. Of course, they let him out of jail too quick. He got a spank on the, he got a spank on the ass. That's all he got. But I knew it was shitty me. And I was like, how do you know that? I don't know. I could just spot bullshit a mile away. That's part of my street. So you're an expert kind in of the gossip, intuition. Intuition and yeah. the gossip. Yeah, I know. Determination whether it's really gossip or is that there is a matter of truth. Well, <laughs> gossip, yeah. You know, I, I always like to tell people some of the biggest stories in our lives started in the gossip columns. The O.J. Simpson stuff, for instance, was a huge gossip item for years about his cheating and the drug use on the Coles part. It all came together, and you can believe what you want to believe, whether he did it or not. I'm sure he did. I think he had an accomplice Which as well. Which one of the biggest gossip that you think over the past 20 years that it was not true and it was not a true? prank? Wow. I don't even... I don't, um, the biggest one that you said that's, that oh, was play, oh, that played can, everyone well. Oh, oh well, Jussie Smollett is going to be at the top of that list because he Who? did... Jussie Smollett, oh, that's, that's going to be way up high on the list. He, he, he did that so poorly. Um, I don't know, a story that wasn't... What I do now more than anything, I still break stories... But I'm no longer in the streets and in the nightclubs. You know, I'm a guy. I got kids. I'm home. But the intuition, plus knowing all the players and knowing the lay of the land, now when a story comes up, I can talk about it and give my, my slant on it, why this happened, why this person did that, who their publicist is. I know this person. They're full of shit. So you get, like, inside the story, you know, like the, the guts of the story. Because I see so many bad journalism now. It's... Disgusting. I'm not even talking about misspelled words. That's enough of a problem. <laughs> But they're getting things wrong constantly. And I just can't get over what I see. Because everybody is a gossip columnist now. It's been watered down to these people who sit in the basement in their mother's house and have a laptop. Let me ask you, if you go to your publisher or someone and you're working at the newspaper as a uh, gossip columnist, actually. So you go to that person <coughs> and say, hey, I have this story. How they corroborate that or how they trust you that it's some, well, something is true or not or there is a half-true? It's just, it's just how? You, they well, take a risk to publish it? I, I guess, but yeah. I mean, they, they, look, the difference with gossip now and gossip in my time I had to put it in front of my editor, Linda Stacy. Then it went to our Pulitzer Prize winning editor, Hap Hairston. Then it went through our two lawyers in the Daily News. And if it was a little bit like, eh, let's not run this, it got killed. It, mm. That's how the term spiked comes up. There used to be in What's the term? Spiked. A spike? Spiked. It got story. a spike. Because there was a thing on newspaper columnist's desk, uh, a, a piece of steel with a, with a, a sharp stick. Okay. And in the old days, you brought copy. You brought paper. You typed a paper and said, hey, you don't just send an email. This is 50. Yes, so the guy would go, no, spike it. And he, he would slam it down. Oh, those are spikes that yeah. he goes in. That's uh, how spiked. The, the old fashioned. So now no stories are spiked. 
And on top of that... It means that it's not going to be published. Yeah, but no, they publish anything now. And on top of that, in my day, I sound like an old man in my day, there used to be page two was a page for corrections. You would write on yesterday's uh, piece on... Roger Clemens, it was reported that he had three kids, he actually has two kids, whatever. It was a correction page. That you, could correct it or you, comment on it, you and you, you could publish it. If you it. got something wrong, you correct the story, the next day people turn to page two, there are the corrections. Did the paper make a mistake today? Oh, they're making up for Also, you should have uh, published their response as well. We had PR people to let us to the end contact you. Yeah, but those things are gone now. So what you're getting now is people who just want to be first, the loudest voice. And you've got people from websites that I don't even know where they're at. How they break the stories right now? By the news or they <clears> usually <throat> do it by podcasts or by the I think, Instagram? I'll, that, that's a big part of it. Instagram is blown up. Um, I'm addicted to looking at it. There's some sites that are just really fun. And that's another example. You know, there's like there's a couple of girls. What's the best gossip Instagram? I, I love uh, Dumois, D-E-U-X-M-O-I. Am I saying that? It's French, Dumois. Dumois. They're good. They're a bunch of people. Two, two chicks. It's and, not only one person. No, no, no. It's they get. It's like a media, actually. Yeah, they get company. they get stories sent to them. Like they have people giving them stories. I saw so and so at this bar. I saw so and so, you know, getting married. So they get information from the public. In the old days, there were papers like TMZ mm -hmm. that would pay people for gossip. For gossip. The New York Daily News, or the New York Post, never spent money for for sources. We never we weren't allowed TMZ to. TMZ buys the stories. And we, the we were never allowed to pay. Yeah. That wasn't our thing. Um, you just didn't do it. Nowadays, you sell stories. I used to work for the tabloids, Radar Online, National, uh, uh, the, the Star. I wrote for them. And um, when I wrote for them, my boss was a guy, great guy named Dylan Howard, who's a, 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 just a, a, a hell of a reporter. He doesn't stop. He just keeps going. He's very strong. When he has a scent of something, Dylan's going to get it. He is the person who published Jeff Bezos's picture but he was nude. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said to my wife at the time, I said, this is not going to be good for me. She goes, why? It's about Jeff Bezos's dick. I said, no, it's not the point. Dylan published a picture. That means the richest guy in America is going to come after, or the second richest guy, is going to come after Dylan. Yeah. He's going to be cut loose. I'm part of his team. That means I go too. She said, how do you know that? I said, I, that's, I know the business. If he goes, I go. And I, I, they got rid of me. It's, a, it's an intricate game. What year was it? That story, um, what the hell, what, 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 what story? It was re fairly recently, recently. Three years, four years, before COVID, right before COVID. Before uh, the divorce. Yeah, I was still married. And, and, and yeah, he was too. And um, yeah, it's just, nowadays people get, a lot of things are being taken out of podcasts, for instance, or Instagram. They're relying on other people to write a story and they'll take what you write and change the wording a little bit and make it their story. By AI. Yeah, <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost, really. It's, it's scary. I've seen my words get twisted in somebody else's column because my podcast is every day. And, um, you know, I take a lot of pride. If I'm wrong, I always say I'm wrong. Uh, I'm, I, I said the other day, I said last month that Sofia Vergara and uh, her husband were going to split. They just announced a divorce. How do I know that? Just in passing, talking to people, seeing them on TV, Looking at their Instagram, there's more things to there's more things to follow people with now. In the old days, you just had to go out and hope they showed up. Now you've got to find them online. You know, the people don't go out as much anymore. It isn't like it was in the '80s and '90s. Stars now have the power. 
They have their own pages. They can say what they want about their life. Yeah, right. Athletes, too. They don't need the newspaper anymore. Just go to Derek Jeter's baseball page, and he'll tell you exactly what the week was like. And the, as a reporter, you go, Where they're oh, going, shit. how they're going. Yeah, and, and you go, well, what's my, they are right now. what's my job now? If he's putting the story out of himself, I can't write about Derek Jeter? Just for an argument's sake. But, yeah, the game has changed. I thought it was going to really change when Princess Diana died. But it didn't. It came back just as powerful as it was with the paparazzi. Because I've been there. I've been out with, with paparazzis. They were always next to us. And after I got to be a, a TV personality, now suddenly I was on the other side of the velvet rope. Now I'm going to the events. And I'm going with a girl on my arm. and I'm in a movie. I'm in a TV show. So I saw what the gossip comms did to me when I changed careers. And uh, it's fair game. You know, they wanted to get shit on me. Some of it's jealousy, but some of it's just your job. And I got to be honest, I did gossip for six or seven years, and I remember saying, I love it, I love doing it, but I remember saying, I feel like I want to take a shower sometimes. It's too dirty. I'm, I, I don't want to talk about people too. People I just feel like a it, private life. Yeah, you, like I've heard some people, and they've come to me and, and told me. Ben Stiller, I heard him. I wrote a story about him having an affair or something. He said, it just wasn't true, man. And you, really, you really fucked me up. I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. Did you patch it up? Yeah, but it took like a month of my life, man. I said, I, I thought it was the right information. Was, that's like one of the only times a celebrity came up to me and talked to me about that. But I've been invited to their homes to help them solve a problem. And those You are still doing it, yes? Not really. I don't go to people's houses anymore, but I know a lot of them now. If I need to call someone to get, uh, to get the drop on somebody, I know a quicker route than most people do. I, I just, I've been around longer. I know people. And some people like to talk. See, the thing about having a secret is people love to tell secrets. They love to hear a secret, and they love to be the first there's one the that tells you. There's a market for it. There's a demand for it. Of course there is. Gossip. Gossip. <laughs> it's been around forever. Look, when Adam and Eve had sex, somebody talked about it the next day. That's gossip. And I never knew this until like a few years ago. Trivia. The word trivia is very interesting. It's from Italian, trivia. Trivia means three roads. And that's where people congregate and talk about the neighborhood. Who's having an affair? Who lost his job? That's trivia, trivia. And I became a gossip columnist. It just started to make sense to me. My mother used to read Liz Smith and Rona Barrett and Cindy Adams, and she'd read it out loud. And she'd always say, your friend Cher didn't get into the Studio 54 last night. <laughs> My friend? She just had a way of talking. And I started to like all these stories. And I wanted to be an actor at one point and a writer. And I got to do both. I still do both. So I'm acting, but this podcasting thing is fantastic. I don't know what I would have done in my life for the last five years. It's perfect for me. I sit home. You're residing in Los Angeles, correct? I, I do, but I'm probably going to be in, LA, in Vegas very soon. Um, You're moving to Vegas? Yeah, I believe so. We're, we're in the process, my girlfriend and I, about um, putting that together. What bringing you to Vegas? Well, my girlfriend. Oh, I mean, okay. I fell in love. It's, uh, I, I had, my marriage wasn't working out. I have two great kids. Roxy and Rocco, and my marriage wasn't working out. So here's how my life works, and you tell me. I've always known the woman I'm going to marry. I married two women. One was in high school. I saw her face. I said, I'm going to marry her. I did 11 years later. Then I met my current wife at a nightclub, and I told my friend, I'm going to marry her. I told her girlfriend, I married her six months later. I get to my house, and this listener of my show writes me a Facebook. My dog had just died. She knew I was broken up. I cried on the show. 
She says, I breed Shih Tzu puppies. I want to give you one. I said, give me I a have Shih one. Tzu. You do? They're the great. <laughs> they're the great. I said, they're expensive. You they can't. never shed. I know, no, they're the great. I know. She was in the car today. She don't know hair me at all. Yeah. So I said, they're expensive. I can't accept that. I want to do it. You got me through a hard time. I take my son. We met in Death Valley. She comes from Summerlin. I'm from Hollywood. Death Valley, we meet. She stepped out of the car with the puppy. And I knew. I said, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. I've got to have that girl. I'm dead. Now, it helped that my marriage wasn't good. The last six, seven years weren't good. A lot of turmoil. Uh, but it, I knew on, the, on, the, on, the, on the, the minute I saw her face. And I now have this beautiful puppy who's three years old now, and I have her. And uh, I did a stupid thing a few nights ago, so she's mad at me right now. But <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to get her back because I, I need her back. I shouldn't have fucked that up. But um, I still do stupid shit sometimes. That's interesting. <laughs> so I have her now and the dog. And I'm working through this separation, divorce, whole thing. It's, it's, uh, it's very new to me. I never thought I'd be this way in my life. I never. I'm, I'm, I come from families that don't have. Always, divorces. you work on the gossip for the Hollywood and the actor and actresses. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing sure. on the politicians. Oh yeah, I have another. I have a show called Politics Is a Bitch as well. It's once a week. Oh, it's I on Patreon. That. It's behind a paywall. It's Patreon.com/slash/politicsisabitch or Patreon.com/famousabitch. Um, five bucks a month. Some people spend 50, some spend 100. Have you ever broken out any story about the politicians in your career? Um, I, I, I would say I would say I was first to know about certain things. I was first to... But you never broke it out. Yeah. I, on my podcast, I, break, I broke a lot, a, lot of, a lot of Donald Trump stuff. I knew Donald very well. He dated the same girl I did. And at one point, we were both dating at the same time. We overlapped. <laughs> it's called an Eskimo brother. I didn't like him back then. I'm a full Trump supporter now. My <laughs> wife did a 180. I said, I'm sticking up for Trump. Harvey's going to jail. I gotta get I need some I need to talk to people. I know too much shit. I'm home going crazy. So I call I meet my buddy who I know since we're five years old. He was a big radio executive. I says, Mike, I want to stop a podcast. I want to do a podcast. What do I do? He says, I got a podcast company. I have one show, but I'm building it. He says, Do you think you'll have enough to say? I said, Mike, give me a microphone. I won't show up for 10 fucking years. I know everything. And uh, we went for free for a year, five days a week. And then I said, Mike, we've got to go Patreon. I need money. Let's get paid. He goes, it might be too soon. No, no, let's do it now. And the response was great. And then after a while, I said, I want to do politics because I know so much about Trump. And I've just gotten more politically active in my head. I really wasn't a politics kind of guy. I heard that he's going to be indicted for Tupac's murder. Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> there is no one to indict. They are going to yeah. indict him. Uh, that's funny. I thought you were going to break the story. No, you know what's you know so weird? I, 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 was kind of, I know. <laughs> they found someone to indict. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Trump, Trump did it. Trump did it. Um, orange man bad. I know. <laughs> Biden couldn't find Tupac's recording in a room full of white people. But, um, you know, I... I, I um, I just, it's, it's very funny how the world works. Uh, it, it, I'm, a, I'm a big talker and a storyteller. And a lot of my show, people signed up for gossip. But what I also do is I tell stories about my life, about my parents. I have a very, very colorful family. And they've come to love hearing my stories. Some write to me and go, I don't care about Hollywood gossip. I want to hear you talk. I love that we know your girlfriend, your wife, your kids, your father, your mother, your sister. We know, we know everything about you. I hold nothing back. Sometimes that gets me in trouble because not everybody wants to be as public as me. <clears throat> so I got to be careful about that. I have to protect some people. But um, yeah, so I get to talk every day, 40 minutes through an hour. 
and I do politics once a week. It's fun. It's a fun game out there. There's a lot of crazy shit going on. Yeah. But I'll tell you about about Tupac. I know who pulled the trigger. There was a guy named. I do. I do. Is it gossip or is that? No, no. There's a big conspiracy that the you know Reggie, Reggie from Suge Knight's partner wanted to. There's so many alleged things that had happened, but they were planted. Most of them were planted stories that weren't true. The guy that pulled the trigger was named Danny Patton. Okay, he has a brother named Malcolm. He pulled the trigger. All these other guys, like the guy he had a fight with at the casino, Orlando. That didn't. He was not. He was not around that night. It's Danny Patton. But what happened was a, a big cop from L.A. covered this story a lot and wrote a book. And people took that book, Greg Kading's book, to be gospel. It's not. There's a lot of mistakes in it. I ran with Tupac for a couple of years. I was out with him every night. I knew everything about Tupac. Um, and that's not breaking the story, but people love to hear that. Like, what was it like to be with Tupac? Even kids who are 14 want to know. People could be 60 or 14. Well, I said, with Tupac alive now, Black Lives Matter would have been one of the best organizations ever, but they fucked it up. They robbed everybody's money. Tupac would have kept it honest because he was very smart. Brilliant guy. He read- Why did they kill him, you think? Why did they kill him? The stupid rap game. It's so dumb. Stupid jealousies. Petty jealousies. Petty jealousies. Every one of those guys had a target on them. Puff Daddy had a target. Biggie Reno died. A lot of guys go down like that. Uh, And the thing about Tupac is he didn't like to fight. He had a certain way he had to portray himself on his records and stuff. He had to be a thug. But he wasn't really like that. He told me he reads every bestseller on the New York Times list, but he begged me not to print it because I can't be seen like that. He couldn't even... He Madonna. can't be seen as an intellectual that yeah. reads the books? Right. That, you lose street cred. They don't care about reading books in the ghetto. You need street cred. What kind of gun you got? How many bullets you got? Madonna bailed him out of jail the first time. I was with him. When he, I was with him the he night... He went to jail on purpose? No, no. He, he, <laughs> For publicity? It was, it was, I, I'll tell you what happened. It's unbelievable. I was at a club with him. It was called Nell's. What year was it? A lot it? of black... 93, 93, 94, around there. Some girl was all over him. Black girl, mainly a black club, and she starts going down on him in the in the room, in the club. People see it. She's hardy, but we see it. He brought her back to the room. He went to bed. He was tired, and his friends wanted a piece of her. So his friends had sex with her. She claims it wasn't consensual. All right, probably not. He got indicted for that, and he hates the system for that. He gave the finger to the people in the street, the reporters, the cops. He just became so militant. But he said Madonna bailed him out. She wanted him so badly. Madonna wanted Tupac's baby. But he said, I could never be seen with a white woman like that. My people would destroy me. I would lose everything. That's horrible to hear that. Could you imagine a Madonna Tupac baby right now? <laughs> be like 30 years old? Wow. That'd be some impressive kid. With those two performers. That publicity is different from the other people's publicity. Huh? Yeah. But see, that story I get because I got close to him. And he just told me, hey, don't print this, but blah, blah, blah. And you don't print it, but you have it in your head. Now, he's dead. It's been 30 years. Let's tell the story. So a lot of my stuff is like that, about what happened in the past, you know? Um, so I, <clears throat> I enjoy it. I love doing it. I'm a big talker, as you can tell. You've probably got a word in edgewise. But, um, you know, and I'm also doing high-stakes poker out here. I used to host it with Gabe Kaplan, but he retired last year. So now it's me and uh, 
um, Nick Shulman, who's a poker pro. And uh, we've got our work again next week. So I'm staying busy. And, um, Welcome to know. Vegas. Yeah, man. Well, you're in L.A. too, right? <laughs> yeah, I do L.A. I have an office in L.A. Where about? Uh, Koreatown. Normandy oh, really? and Wilshire, yeah. Oh, that's fine. My nephew used to live in Koreatown yeah. on uh, St. Andrew's Place. St. Andrew's Place. Yeah, yeah, you yes. know it. It's next to the office. Yeah, yeah, yes. I know it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. All right. I, yes. I, I always want a good lawyer because my, my lawyer lives in New Jersey, and he really can't help me with me in L.A., but uh, he was my, my good friend for years, Frankie John Tomasi, a great lawyer out of Newark, New Jersey. Um, but it's good to have a good lawyer, man. Sure. I tell you what, when I got in trouble, it was a big fight in my house, an argument, loud. Me, the wife, her sister, the kids were there. It wasn't nice for the kids to see this. Nobody got hit, nobody got touched. It was yelling. Her sister called the cops. My wife takes the kids and goes to the car. She's going to go to her sister's house. And the cops come, five cops come. I said, I know you guys are coming because there was a domestic dispute. No one got hit, no one got touched. It was just loud. Well, someone's got to go to jail, and that's you. I said, I it's dead. Let's go. I went, and... Um, I forgot what I was going to tell you about this story, but, uh, oh, a good lawyer. I got the number to a good lawyer that I've known from the celebrity crowd. Um, my name escapes me, how stupid, but I can't let that happen. She's great. They kept you over there? She, no, she told me, I know what you are, I know who you are, I know you like to talk. You can't say a fucking word. Word. word you know, I'm going to send somebody, quiet. I'm going to send somebody, it's going to be expunged, it'll never be on your record, it'll be like it never happened. $1,000, and you'll see him Monday. Don't say a word in that room when he talks to whoever he talks to. And don't to. go on the block. I didn't know. No, I didn't. I didn't, and it disappeared. And I wish the fight never happened, but it happened. You know, we got, I'm a Sicilian. I'm hot-tempered, and, uh, you know, it happens. But, um, yeah, but good lawyers, man. Got to have them in a pinch. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Vegas. I know, okay, baby. see you around I'll be all around. the time. You'll see me. Yep. Sure. I will subscribe to your podcast. Yeah, too. check it out. <laughs> Definitely. Check it out. It's five bucks a month. You can handle it. Yeah. Actually, I do one free show a week for the people that don't sign up yet. I do one free show of Famous Bitch, and um, some people are mad at me because I used to do five. I say, give me a break. I've been doing free shows for six years. Can you, can you just make the jump for five jump bucks? Five. Just come on. Come on over. They were just complaining about yeah. it. Yeah. You're paying for Netflix. You're paying for a Hulu. 20 bucks. Yeah. Just jump. come on over. Five bucks. We'll have a ball. Cheaper than beer. That's interesting. Thank you for coming on the show. Anytime. It was a pleasure talking to you. Very interesting. Nice. Thank very you nice very much. Nice to meet you, buddy. Thank Good you. luck. Good Thank luck you. To you. You got have it. A good day.